100 million people got this vaccine. Out of that 100 million people, 10,000 got COVID. Okay? 100 million, 10,000 get COVID. Maybe 1,000 gets hospitalized, 160 people die out of 100 million. And out of that 160 that die, a lot of them had other issues, and the median age was 82. So for the average person getting the COVID vaccine, this virtually eliminated dying. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. I'm Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari, and today we're going to be talking about the myths around vaccines. The first myth I want to talk about is a very classic myth that I get all the time, and that really revolves around the flu shot. As you know, the seasonal flu shot changes every year, and it includes the new, if you want to call them, strains or variants that are going to be prevalent that year. And we get those in, you know, August or September. So I know many, many, many people who say that they don't want to get the flu shot because they once got it and they got the flu from the flu shot. Well, that's interesting and it's probably half true. First of all, the flu shot that we normally give every season in your arm by injection are dead vaccines. Their bodies they're corpses of the body of the of the vaccine and can't replicate and therefore cannot give you the flu by definition. But as many of us now know by getting the COVID vaccine, sometimes when we get a vaccine, it triggers our immune system to produce antibodies and that reaction of creating an immune response to the vaccine you're getting can often briefly replicate some symptoms of the flu, uh, but it's very short-lived. And the way we look at it is it's a minor amount of symptoms for a minor amount of time, given what would happen if you really got the flu. Given the fact that, you know, 40, 60, 70, 80,000 people die every year from the flu in the United States annually, you know, on balance, the trade-off seems pretty good. Most people have no symptoms. Some people will have brief symptoms of having fever or muscle aches and certainly short uh, uh, pain in the arm where they got the shot, but they actually don't get the flu. I know many people have skipped many, 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 many years of getting the flu shot because of that one episode, Uh, but hopefully we now realize that, you know, that in some people that's an expected side effect, but on balance, it's a good trade-off in terms of not getting the flu and even just being sick for a week or two and not going to work and missing things and also uh, not passing it on to coworkers and family and friends. So on balance, it's a pretty good trade-off. So the other thing I always hear about, the other myth is that vaccines have a lot of toxins and, and what have you. Well, I mean, 
let's let's just look at the broad picture. 30 years ago, uh, when you were getting your childhood vaccines, or 40 years ago, some of those vaccines contained many, many antigens, which actually was what triggered your immune response. And over the years and over the decades, the number of antigens we use in all of our vaccines has dramatically gotten less. The number of preservatives, the other amount of compounds have decreased. So on balance, the vaccines, for example, we're giving our children today are much, much more pure than what you know older people watching this video got. And of course, you know, who are, if you did get it, obviously most people did well with it. But what I'm sa saying, if you did well with it and you got the older, older version, these vaccines are the newer, newer versions with less and less preservatives and less and less antigens, which are the things that trigger the immune res response. Like for the COVID vaccine, you know, we only gave you the spike protein antigen or the genetic sequence to only make the spike protein. But back when we didn't know with a lot of vaccines what part of the virus really needed to be given to you, we gave you a lot more. So that's become a lot pure, more pure. And a lot of the preservatives and things that need to be added to it, like adjuvants that induce your immune system to give a better reaction, all of those are much, much better. But yes, obviously, they're not 100% pure. There are some preservatives in trace, trace amount. So the real issue is, you know, how dangerous is that? And I think certainly there are people, there are ingredients and vaccines that people can be allergic to. And we, you know, obviously are, be, have become aware of that. And we try to find out about those allergies. And, and a very small percentage of people have very, you know, large side effects towards vaccines. But the good news is the vast, vast majority of people tolerate, you know, the typical adult and childhood vaccines really, really well. And on balance, the cost benefit of saved lives, saved illness is worth those side effects. So in medicine, we don't ever do anything that's 100% good with no bad. If your doctor says you need to have your appendix taken out because it could lead to bad stuff, it's theoretically possible you may have something go bad during the surgery or you may have an adverse reaction, a rare adverse reaction to the anesthesia. But on balance, if your appendix is infected, we think that those risks outweigh what would happen if your appendix kept going the way it is. Even when you take Motrin, Tylenol, or any of those medications for any common issues, there's a theoretical side effect, theoretical side effects that are really bad. But on balance, they're small, they're few, and the problem they're solving, it's worth to take the risk than, than worry about the side effects. So I think vaccines are similar to that. I think to the to a certain extent, even you know, with the COVID vaccine, we've given 100 million people two doses of the COVID vaccine. It's prevented hundreds of thousands of death. And in exchange for that, there are some people who've had minor side effects, a few, maybe slightly more than that. But we're willing to live with those side effects because of the benefit. So the next thing I want to talk about, as long as we're talking about vaccines, something timely is the COVID vaccine. And the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, uh, one of the common things I hear for people who don't want to take the COVID-19 vaccine is that we don't know the long-term side effects and that the FDA only gave emergency use authorization and they did not give actual approval. And that is so true. That is absolutely true. So let's look at the arguments on both sides of that. So 
It is true that the FDA did not give approval because to give approval may have taken four to six to eight years, and by which time the pandemic would have raged on and killed hundreds and millions of more people, and that really didn't seem to be an alternative. Yes, and the emergency use authorization was given based on you know, a study of, let's say, 30, 40,000 people. And so the concern is that we didn't do the whole FDA approval. That is true, but the flip side of that is now in the United States, we have over 100 million people that have gotten two doses or at least one dose of the Johnson & Johnson, so have completed their series. With 100 million people getting the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, that would be the world's biggest vaccine trial if it was by itself a vaccine trial. There's been no vaccine trial in the history of mankind that before a vaccine came to market, they tried it on 100 million people. So for those people who say, well, we didn't do the studies. Yes, we didn't do the studies. Yeah, you got us there. But now 100 million people enrolled in another study that they didn't even know was a study, but now it is a study because it's happened. So however you get there, you know, the, the benefit of this vaccine over all the vaccines, I would imagine every vaccine that's ever been approved in the United States put together did not collectively have even a fraction of 100 million people participate in those trials before the vaccine got FDA approval. So in many ways, yes, it, at the time the vaccine came out, it was a very small group. But now we have over 100 million people that have gotten mostly two doses and are alive to talk about it. So we can now look at 100 million people in, and look at the side effect, the sh short to moderate term side effects in ways we could have never dreamt of doing. If we had gone the other way, let's say we said, all right, take the five to seven years to do it. They would have never enrolled 100 million people in that study. And the power of these studies is really the number of people enrolled. If you really want to make sure something has really no horrific side effects, don't give it to 10,000 people, don't give it to a million, don't give it to 5 million, don't give it to 10 million, don't give it to 20, don't give it to, 50, give it to 100 million people if you want to be sure. In a roundabout way, that's what we did. So the people who argue, well, this was rush and it ha doesn't have FDA approval, okay, they don't, it doesn't have FDA approval, but now it's got something more. It's got a new study with 100 million people enrolled in it. And guess what? 100 million people got this vaccine. Out of that 100 million people, 10,000 got COVID. Okay? 100 million, 10,000 get COVID. Maybe 1,000 gets hospitalized. 160 people die out of 100 million. And out of that 160 that die, a lot of them had other issues, and the median age was 82. So for the average person getting the COVID vaccine, this virtually eliminated dying. Now let's take the other side. We think there's at least 100 million Americans that got COVID, right? The CDC, in, even in January, estimated there was 83 million people who had gotten the COVID-19 infection either documented or on. But certainly it would be above 100 million. 100 million people probably got COVID in this country and we have close to 600,000 deaths. So let's do the math. 
100 million people get the vaccine, we have 160 deaths, okay? We have 100 million people got that got COVID without the vaccine, and we have 600,000 deaths. I think that's a pretty good study, and you don't have to be an epidemiologist or have a degree in, you know, in some sort of study analysis to figure that out. If you were at a blackjack table and you were taking your odds, which way would you take your odds? Now, of course, the final blowback to everything I just said is, ah, but you left one important thing out. What about the long-term side effects? See, we don't know. We don't know the long, and there may be long-term side effects. But again, let's look at the odds. Generally speaking, vaccines don't have long-term side effects. Most of the horrible things that happen to vaccines happen pretty quickly. If you have anaphylaxis, Guillain-Barre, things that we don't like, happen relatively quickly, relatively. Now, I think the other argument you could say, well, this is a new type of vaccine. It's using mRNA technology. Granted, granted, granted. And yes, you know, I'm not going to take the position that it's impossible or severely unlikely that the COVID-19 vaccines, the the three iterations that have been approved, are not going to have long-term side effects. It could. But then look at the balance of saving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives and betting on the fact that vaccines generally, generally do not have long-term side effects, that most of their devastating side effects and the minority people who get it are short-term, which way would you want to bet? Another thing I really want to talk about and something I want to get off my chest is this concept of people being against vaccines And I certainly get it, but I often wonder, you know, practicing medicine so long, why vaccines as a group have such an issue? For example, you know, there's no Facebook group that has gone together that are anti-antibiotics or anti-chemotherapy, right? As a class, what is it about vaccines that lends itself to that. I mean, I've never heard a mom or a dad say, hey, 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 don't give antibiotics to my kid. We don't believe in antibiotics. How come nobody says that? How come nobody believes, you know, hey, 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 no, no, allergy medicines, no, 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 we, we, we don't believe in that. And maybe that is a little bit, but they're not gonna start a Facebook group about that or, you know, protest and r- write letters to the editor and what have you. So there's something inherent about vaccines that lends itself to that. But, you know, I struggled for the longest time to figure out what was that because I didn't have anyone in my practice saying to me, you know what, please, 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 Dr. Bakhtari, I am totally, totally against having surgery when my appendix ruptures. That's I've been told never to do that. And so there is no group of people that do that, and it it really took me a long while to figure it out, but I think part of the issue with vaccines is it's one of the very few types of drugs, medicines, whatever you wanna call it, biologics actually, that is mandated by the government. No school says you need to give your kids antibiotics before they show up in our class or their allergy medicines, but the minute government starts mandating for public health reasons, that you need to have your children have certain vaccines, that really triggers something with people 
which is the government is asking me to do it. No government's asking you to take an antibiotic. No government's you know, asking you to take ulcer medicines or migraine medications. And so the stigma is that vaccines are something that need to be viewed with caution because it's a medication or, or biologics that we give as part of public health often to keep society safe. And we're basically asking people to alter their behavior and do something they might not normally do to protect public health. Just like we may ask people to slow down when they're driving by a school and drive only 15 miles an hour, we're doing that to preserve public health. So we ask everybody to do something in order to preserve public health or promote public health. And therefore, vaccines have this categorization that they are being mandated or in some way forced upon you. And especially since it's actually an injection that goes into your body often, that gets to the core. But otherwise, honestly, and I, this is what next thing I'm going to talk about, vaccines are probably in the class of drugs and chemicals you can get from a doctor or a pharmacy is probably the safest thing for a very specific reason. In many ways, and this is going to be my next point, vaccines are probably the most natural medication, if you want to call it that, that you can even dream of, right? Or biologic. Because unlike other stuff, for the most part, most vaccines, to use a metaphor, one way or another, are simply giving you the corpse of the virus that you're, you're trying to address, give you the thumb, the nose, the ankle, the feet of the virus. And then and you, that's injected to, into you. And your body is confused and mistakes the nose for, and the feet for the real virus and then creates antibodies, natural antibodies that you make from your bone marrow. Vaccines are probably the only thing that your doctor would ever give you that you yourself will participate in actually doing the cure or protecting yourself from the actual disease. When you get chemotherapy, when you get Advil, Motrin, Tylenol, your body is not really involved. You know That medication literally goes into the cellular level and blocks what it's going to block. You know, I almost put it in a naturopathic holistic category because you're giving someone something so their own body will develop antibodies towards it. And so when you do see the virus, that that vaccine is gone. The only thing fighting the virus when you actually get to meet the virus is your body's natural immune system. You know, we always see these commercials, boost your immune system, you know, take this thing and you'll boost your immune and take this antioxidant and you know, drink pomegranate juice and do whatever you're going to do, which is all great. But that's all meant to boost you, you know, take, take this antioxidant, it'll boost this and it'll boost that. Well, that's what vaccines do. They should be in the same category. They should be sold at health food stores because on some level, that's what they are. They're just boosting your own natural immunity. Yet, for some reason, they never get that rap. They never get the rap of, hey, you know, I should see it. I, they should be selling vaccine, vaccines. That the, instead, we're, we're being sold vaccines at CVS and Walgreens, like real pharmacies. Instead of that, they should be giving vaccines at naturopathic stores and other places. And obviously, I'm joking around, but that's exactly my point. 
vaccines. It's a little ironic that I actually think there should be Facebook groups uh, of people who are against Tylenol because that's a real drug and it can cause side effects. Again, I'm joking, but my point is the vaccines, yes, of course, some people have side effects. Yes, yeah, some serious, but on balance, what they really do, what they, at the core, if they do what they're supposed to do, it's probably the most natural thing. I mean, think of it if you didn't have a vaccine and you wanted to protect someone, you'd be like, let me take this bug that I'm worried about that you might get. Let me cut it up, inject it into you. So when you really see the bug, you're okay. What could be more natural than that? This, this almost sounds like primitive medicine, right? But that's exactly the point. And the irony is not lost on me that vaccines get this rap that we need groups and, and groups against it and da, 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 when in fact, they're probably the most natural thing. So if you believe in natural stuff and you don't really believe in chemicals, that's why you know vaccines are considered biologics. They're not even drugs. They're meant to trigger your own immune system to defend yourself. So on some level, they're the most natural thing you could do. The other thing I just want to talk about is I know there is a, a craze in possibly spacing out childhood vaccines, which is really fine and okay as long as it doesn't get it delayed uh, too much. But I think the, the preponderance of the data shows that if a child is going to have a side effect or anyone's going to have a side effect from a vaccine, whether they're given all together or they're spread apart, it doesn't decrease or increase the chances of them having a side effect. But again, I know it makes a lot of parents feel better, and I, you know, I certainly see the role in that. Uh, but uh, all the data that I have seen suggests that spreading them out doesn't decrease the likelihood of a reaction. So if there's going to be a reaction, you know, to one of them, you know, giving them all together, or that when they're supposed to be given together or spread apart, um, and again, we're talking about childhood vaccines, there really isn't that much of a difference if, if parents insist on it. But if there was data, if there was really hard, credible data to spreading them out, decrease the likelihood, we would all do it. Most pediatricians are not going to neglect data that says spreading them out reduces the chance. We do it anyway in some certain cases, uh, but it's not because there's a lot of data saying that you should spread them out because it'll actually decrease the chance of, of a side effect. And the last thing, you know, is um, this myth that, of course, has already been debunked. Unfortunately, uh, many, many years ago, someone published uh, an article trying to link uh, vaccines to autism. And of course, uh, when that study was reviewed and other studies that followed, it was completely debunked. In fact, I think that was one of the very few times uh, that I've seen that a, a medical journal actually retracted the article and no credible scientist, no pediatrician really believes that. And I know, of, you know nobody in the scientific community that thinks even a, an iota of that is valid. So that's completely debunked. And unfortunately, that's uh, a myth that somehow continues in some quarters, but not in any any serious uh, manner. So thank goodness that's starting to go away. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. And as always, take care and be well.